zombies have taken over the world, and the world needs heroes. Hi folks, Timothy Harvey. The Outbreak Challenge, outbreakchallenge.com, has become sponsor of Zompocalypse Now. Use your real-life steps and exercise to run from and battle the zombies on an interactive fitness adventure in the apocalyptic wasteland. You can do this alone, you can do it with your friends, see who survives. They have 17 different races and challenges to choose from. All of them have unique stories and themes. If you survive the challenge, they'll send you a real-life medal. Now, this thing will easily pair with your Fitbit, your Apple Watch, other smart wearables. It is definitely a fun way to stay in shape or get back in shape after the last couple of years. We could probably all use some help with that. Now, if you want to try the Outbreak Challenge for yourself, you can save 15% off by going to their website, outbreakchallenge.com, pick the race you want, and enter in the code Zombie Run to save 15% off. That's our coupon code, Zombie Run you get as listeners of the show to take advantage of the outbreak challenge try this out for yourself see if it works for you thanks so much folks and now let's get into our episode do you fear the zombie uprising are you prepared to survive what's coming if you listen very carefully you might just make it out alive this is Apocalypse Now. Hi, everybody. So... <laughs> Welcome to Zompocalypse Now. I'm Dustin, and every once in a while, I like to hijack the intro because it's fun and because I'm I I I'm just a different something different. Uh, as always, I'm joined by the wonderful Tim Harvey. Hello, and and, I'm, uh, I'm, and that's Curtis. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Yeah. <laughs> and tonight, uh, we watched Fear the Walking Dead because uh, because something went really wrong in our lives, and now. And now well, we was, live in this, this hell. This was season premiere of what? Season who cares? So this is the mid-season. Mid-season pre- premiere. Mid-season premiere. This is episode nine of season seven. It is called Follow Me. It is called Idiot. And it's called The Legend want- of Bagger Vance. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, there's there's a particularly uncomfortable trope sitting right in the middle of this story, um, but huh. there's so to cast your mind back, folks. I think I think this is very important to consider where we left this show at the mid season finale. Right, we had Strand and Alicia facing off against each other, and Alicia's like, "Let there be war." Yes. Yeah, in her in her brilliant acting chops way. And then in this episode, we don't have war. We get a recruitment offer. We get recruitments. We're not doing but war yet. We've got to build an army. Well, but we also have a whole bunch of things that take place. In between that episode and this episode, yes. that they talk about a lot on this episode, but we don't see any of it. Right. It's really dumb. It's it's very dumb. 
And it's almost a bottle episode. Mm -hmm. And it plays so hard with the trope of the magical Negro, I feel ashamed and embarrassed that we have to talk about it. It's a very unsubtle use of the trope, and it's it's uncomfortable. I I didn't like that the... uh... The entirety of this episode, the crux of it, is dependent on the superstition that dreams are magical. And and that it's that they took the whole goddamn hour to get to the point was, hey, you're dreaming it, so you're talking to yourself. Well, yeah. no shit. Right. My my brain is literally farting out random shit that if I Tweak it right, it'll make sense. That's great. Dream time. Woo! Walking Dead Dustin, dream time. Dustin Fuck has this fucking show. This is early. <laughs> it's Dustin early. has posted many, many, many times to social media no. his absolutely batshit bonkers dreams. See, and I um I was conceived at a New Year's Eve party. While my hippie biker parents were high on acid. And I thoroughly believed that it messed up my brain chemistry. I bet it did. How much acid is in cum? I don't I don't know. It was it was but you know, things were happening. Both of them were imbibing, you know, everybody was was floating in space with the giant spaghetti monster uh, <laughs> as you do yes and and so i have very intense vivid dreams and my dreams sometimes i post on social media when i you're the dream your dreams are the best but they aren't prophecy right well that's just what i'm saying is that if if dreams are prophecy and dustin's dreams are prophecy <laughs> you're all seriously I do sometimes think as hell, but. there's 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 importance in meaning in dreams because your brain is processing information right. all the time. And so sometimes your dreams tell you something really important. And if somebody uh, would have said something as smart as that on this show tonight yeah. that we watched, I would be um, happy. Right. Now I'm poo-poo. So shall we get into it? Yes. Well, let's uh, we get into it. start... We start with Alicia's dream. She and uh, the members of the cell block tango from Chicago are standing at a crossroads, a four point crossroads, and they don't know where to go. And then they see Alicia, sees somebody wandering the street ahead of her. So she runs up. Lipshits. Yes. So she runs out there to the the person, and it turns out to be the walker who was the senator, right? Cicero. Right, yeah. And and she is attacked, and the walker is at, but the walker is like speaking in a really staticky voice. And it's very obvious that this is some sort of dream situation. And then she wakes up, and she's in a bed in a house, and somebody is playing some really loud music. I would have thought. That um, if if they hadn't shot that opening sequence through an old T-shirt, 
<laughs> I would have thought that it was that the Fear of the Walking Dead people were trying to tell me that since she got bit and still has zombie venom inside her, now she can speak zombie. <laughs> I would have loved that. You know what? If this show decided to go full bonkers off the wall, the the nuclear bomb cracked open the earth and now mystical creatures are pouring out, I Holy would shit. I would be into it. You know, Those if they just dragons wanted, all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. But they're not going to do anything fun with any of this shit. No. So, no, you know, us even thinking about a fun thing is just, it's just more torture <laughs> on top of ourselves. <laughs> Dashed by the fear of the walking dead. <laughs> the moment was so good. Because I think there are times, like this whole, like the whole nuclear plot. And, you know, they want to so bad. I bet you even somebody in the writer's room is like, guys. Let's introduce the chupa, the El Chupacabra. And they're like, no, Jeremy, stop saying Chupacabra, Jeremy. <laughs> Little did they know it's the best idea for the show. Yeah. It, I was like, if all of a sudden she's the zombie whisperer and she can and and she knows now that the zombies have like a whole hierarchy and an infrastructure that they just developed on their own. Well, I like mean, she's except walking for along and, and she hears a zombie go, I got to go check in with Jerry. I heard he needed the TPS reports. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, anyway. Yeah. So downstairs in the in the house with the really loud radio is a yeah. man who cannot hear that a zombie has broken into his house and is lurching upon him. Now, I don't think that deaf people have superpowers, <laughs> but I do know that it's really hard to just walk up on the back of, of a deaf person because they have different spatial awareness than we do. In fairness, he's only been deaf since the bomb went off. Right. But he was losing his hearing before. He has a cochlear. Right. But that's that the, the actor. The actor actually is deaf, which I, I think um, it's great, fantastic. I think I think Zero. as as a performance, he does fine throughout the episode. But I know as a human being, this doesn't speak well of me. But I was really hoping for hilarious deaf guy voice and not the rather polished actor that we got in this. Yeah. You know. Yeah, he, he did. He did fine. I think it, his whole existence, however, raises some questions. Because again, how long has it been since the world fell? Well, we're still. I mean, I don't know. We we have Judah Standard Time, which is nine years, right. uh, uh, from the time Morgan left. From the time Morgan left, uh, we don't know how much time has passed in Fear the Walking Dead. I would probably say at least two more years. Okay. So we have, we have men, we have more than just you know, like a year or something. Mm -hmm. So we have this house in the middle of nowhere. It is the Walking Dead universe where everything is in the middle of nowhere. Somehow this guy and his wife survived on their own through all of this until the bomb came and, and you know, pushed everything past its limit. 
and somehow they have power. Where is he getting the power? From the plot, Tim. It's plot powered. Where do you think he's getting the power from, Tim? Dude, this plot wouldn't run one of those. Same place that the gas, they're getting the gas and all the bullets from, Tim. And all the Geiger counters. Oh, and apparently it's been, we'll get, we maybe we'll talk about this later, but apparently it's been weeks and the wind hasn't kicked up nothing nasty in a while now. So we're kind of just forgetting the whole radiation plot. We're not worried about that anymore. Not really. Those who who have survived this will probably end up with pancreatic cancer within six, eight years. I'm I'm just looking at Chernobyl numbers. They're all dead. They've all been dead. They, we are watching the dying dream of, <laughs> <laughs> of this a is the final of episode of Lost, guys, where everyone has been dead all along. <laughs> well, none of these people are even alive. Do you know? You know that the writers are tired of the nuclear bomb thing, so they're done. They're done with it. They didn't oh. even. Yeah, they barely. They didn't mention it at all in dialogue, but they at least they had a guy in a poncho or two. Well, no, the the guy said that it hasn't. You don't need your mask anymore because the the wind hasn't kicked up anything nasty in weeks. He says those lines. Okay, I don't. Yeah, it's, that it's garbage. But I might have been seething with anger. Well, it's well, what's his name? One of the little blonde ponytail shows up. First time. Uh, right. We're getting ahead of ourselves. So Alicia knocks the stereo off the wall so that the that the deaf guy notices the walker and then kills him. And then she does that whole lot. He's like, Hey, you're you're real sick. Are you okay? And she's like, Don't worry about it. And he's like, Well, I don't really have anything else to do, so we have to go get me a new radio. Before that, he's like, What did you do? And she's like there was a walker about to eat you. And he's like, I have soundproofed my house. And no, he has not. That house is not remotely soundproofed. First of all, that house is at least 80 to 90 years old based on the architecture design at on a baseline. Second, he's got like mattresses up against a window. You know what's coming in around the sides of that mattress? daylight you know why because there's a lot more window than there is mattress guess what folks (laughs) it's like no this place is not soundproofed (laughs) look i i've i've went to considerable efforts to uh um deaden the noise in this room and and it it's dead in here but outside these walls you can still hear damn near everything Mm -hmm. sure and i can hear uh fucking doves having sex out in my yard they're loud when they do that chris there's no getting around it his his knowledge of acoustics is minimal even though he's a musician and deaf right so um alicia kind of gives him the the rundown like for people who missed the season finale you know, she had a bunch of people. She accidentally got them all killed. Oopsie doodles. Now they want to go and take over a, uh, a, a office block with a uh, egomaniacal gay man running it. And, uh, 
And she, so the guy's like, well, before you get back to that, you need to go and get me a new, help me get, get a new stereo. And she's like, priorities, buddy. Uh, but about that time, who should show up? But Lil Ponytail. And and his name is Winslow or Milo or something, something just awful. Arno. Arno, yeah. Arno. And we will remember Lil Ponytail as the guy who has been stripping walkers naked. Mm. And then uh and then like she he like shot him, shot him at the office tower, like cut him in half and shot him at the office tower. And that was fun. Um but he's just the fucking worst. And he's also a moron. Yeah. He's a deeply, deeply stupid human being. Yes. I can't tell if it's him or the, his riding force behind him. Well. He's, he he's, always- his character is absolutely spot on is the thing. It matches the horribleness of the writing because he, as an actor, was able to go, oh, well, this guy's dumb as shit. <laughs> <laughs> He blames Alicia for getting all of their people killed. And I don't know. I don't think all of them got killed. Unless that happened off screen, she still had like 50 or 60 people. But that's kind of what they're implying in this episode is that this giant amount of space of things that happened that we didn't see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Most of them all got killed off. Right. They basically took that little settlement that she had built up of ex-cultists and went, there are too many people on this show. We can't keep track of all of them. Let's just kill them all off. Well, let's get into this whole ex-cultist thing really super fast, because here is here is what happened. Alicia had a prophetic dream. And that dream was that a walker was going to lead them to Padre, or that's at least what she thought it was. That's the dream we saw at the beginning, where her and the backup dancers are at a crossroads. And she thought that in the dream, that's what it meant, is that they had to follow the walker to Padre. And so she led her community out of the bunker uh, on the power of this dream and then, of course, they were all slaughtered by the outside world. She didn't probably have to convince them very hard because these are people who had already joined one cult. Right. You know, yeah, this was all already – she had pre-washed brains. She walked up and she was like, I have a dream. And they're like, excellent. The other guy's dream totally worked out. Let's see how this dream goes. fool me once shame on me (laughs) let's do this though it is fascinating that instead of turning on the cult that was led by the mass murderer crazy mass murderer they decide to turn on the lady who just thought that zombies were talking to her right i mean (laughs) so so arlo ponytail's real mad because all those people died. And he wants to kill Alicia with those people. Because he didn't. Mm. He kept them. He kept them around. They were his buddies. So they're in a tractor trailer um, uh, that he wants to feed Alicia to. Uh, and so at first he like comes and menaces the death guy. And the death guy is like, I don't know what you're talking about. And and little ponytail's like, sure you do. But he doesn't. Wait, there's a beautiful moment where Alicia hides inside the piano. 
Okay. Yeah, that was that was like this is how I knew that we were dealing with a brain trust here. Because well, there's, there's a couple of things. Piano. First of all, I don't know if you've ever looked inside a piano. I would not want to try and put a person inside a piano. They, saw, they don't I, fit those things very well. I saw um, those girls, that girl's butt, and there's no way that lid was closing. <laughs> also, well, aren't those wires sharp? Yeah. Uh-huh. No, yes. no, 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 no. It's like a bed of nails. It's like you're sleeping on a bed at that point. Just a, it's comfortable. It's fine. It's she didn't have time thing. to get comfortable. Yeah, well, you know. I, she, apparently she had time to go clunk inside a big big uh, piano that would have been loud well apparently uh arno doesn't know what it means when you go over to a piano and you're looking for somebody and you hit the keys and it goes thunk, 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 because any other human being on the planet would have lifted the lid of the piano <laughs> and went oh there you are this is a really dumb place to hide. How the hell did you fit in there? But he doesn't do that because he's a moron. Uh, there's a bunch of rats that live in there. Right. <laughs> they used to sound good with all the rats. You know, and by the way, about that comment about her butt, it's a nice butt. I'm not trying to shame her butt. It's just, it's, you know, it's too big for a piano. Most butts she would be. Yep. But he, he ignores it because he's an idiot and he wanders off giving the deaf guy a walkie-talkie which i mean he can talk into it he just can't right. hear if anyone's gonna respond because he's deaf so anyway well, you, can, you can chase the signal of a walkie-talkie can't you you can be like i'm getting closer i'm far away maybe that's why he gave it to him was to track him so he could, you know, ambush them at the concert hall later. This is going to require a level of technical knowledge that these cult folks have not demonstrated in any way, shape, or form. Okay, so Alicia this, this and, and our deaf friend go to the concert hall uh, where that's where they're going to get his new radio. And then they sit and they have a nice conversation uh, about uh, how, how Beethoven, Beethoven, was uh was deaf and he would have to be turned around so that he could see his audiences enjoying his music when he was a conductor because he was deaf and uh i'm sorry that was it was was one of the things was i did not care for the use of the beethoven metaphors because it's it's kind of low-hanging fruit right talking about it deaf musician see because the way i would have written that and i know they're not going to hire me we've discussed this but uh i would have i would have said well you know they talk about beethoven being deaf but there was this other one this other deaf musician and of course there's a billion of them and then start telling stories that we've never heard before and i would have been very compelled because we only want what is comforting and familiar to us as an audience, uh, we don't want to be challenged and we don't want to be presented with information that is new because <laughs> if that happens, it could challenge our worldview and then that could cause all sorts of upsetting things. And the fear of the walking dead is not here to challenge us. The fear of the walking dead is here to tell us a story that is just inexplicably stupid is what they're here to do. And so that's what they're going to do, Curtis. 
They're going to tell us the most in- inexplicably stupid stories that they possibly can. There is a moment when all of this is going on, when you really start to realize that they're leaning into the magic Negro trope. Right. Okay, delightful listeners. I need to tell you that um, at this point in the broadcast or the recording, my track is lost. So I have no idea what people, what I said that people are responding to. So I'm going to try my best to fill in the blanks. Um, I said something about someone with no hands. And uh, then uh, Dustin says this. No, it's got to be a painter with no hands. I'll tell you what, I sure wish I could remember what I said right here. It's got, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to go. If we're going to go where, Dustin, I have no recollection of this. Uh, we're going to go with that. It's got to be, you know, somebody who would normally have a a hands, hands-on sort of situation. And right here's where they realize that I'm gone from the recording. Did you kill Curtis? I did not kill Curtis. I think sometimes Tim wishes he could kill me. In a good way, though. Where'd he go? Uh, He just went offline. You see, we were trying a new recording system because Zoom is sometimes unpredictable. And uh, it just booted me off because I live in Kansas and my connection is shit. Uh, We're trying a new... A new uh, platform, you guys, folks and gents. Oh, there you go. Oh, hey. So we're working out bugs and kinks. Welcome back, Curtis. I can assure you this was a very, very awkward situation for all of us. Curtis. Because at this point in our podcast, I am dying inside. Because I'm sure I have relevant points to make. Well, probably not. I think he's frozen. Oh, come on. I thought I heard him say, oh, come on, for just just now. Or is that you? Oh, I can hear him. Oh, good. I'm glad that's over. Curtis. Yeah, you say my name. Hello. Hello, Curtis. Hello, you guys. Snap once if you could hear me. I guess they can't hear me. Maybe I should send them a message through other means. He can't. He's gone. He cannot. I'm guessing it's probably his internet connection. Because he was sort of doing that. I don't know if you could hear it on your end, but I could hear him sort of like glitching at the end before he we first lost him. Now, as you can see, Tim is absolutely correct in his astute assumption. We cannot forget to let me talk about the haggis. Right. And we're probably going to have to to delve in. One of us is going to have to explain what the magical necrotrope is, unfortunately. Right. Okay, I don't know about you, but I have no idea what that is. Um, I think they talk about Bagger Vance, but I don't, I don't, I haven't seen that in decades or something. So we'll see what they have to say. I'm going to cut out a lot of stuff because this is all fucking boring and you don't need to hear it. What do you think, Curtis? Curtis. Okay. Okay, I think we're getting to the point where I can pretend that I'm, I'm there now. But I'm pretending. I think this is going to be this way. If you hear me from the rest of the episode, it's going to be for pretend, okay? Just deal. It's fine. Pretend time is great. I don't see that you are recording, though. I don't see an audio line. Do you see an audio line for yourself? Don't worry about it, Tim. 
we'll work it out in post, probably. I'll just pretend to be there. Oh, technology. Yeah, technology's great. Let's get on with it, shall we? What do you want to do, Dustin? He wants to get on with it, too. It's really great not to be interrupted right now. I'm, I'm on cloud nine. This is great. We do have to address the magic golden Negro trope. Uh, words, words that, that don't always come great out of the mouths of three middle-aged white guys. Right. But it is an actual trope, folks, and you're familiar with it even if you don't know that you are. Uh, the Legend of Bagger Vance, which you mentioned early on, is an example of it. It's basically, you have this white character, oftentimes a man, who is going through life with issues, and somehow they meet this usually an older black male. Who gives them the answer, but doesn't just give them the answer. They like, they speak in riddles. And they, you know, and they don't have any life or, you know, they'll, they may be like, they'll maybe have their dead wife or something, something, uh, some sort of past that informs their, uh, their advice to this young white person. But it's never immediate. It's never like, you know, well, I've got to get home to my beautiful wife. It's, I once had a beautiful wife. Mm-hmm. And that is what we have tonight. The deaf guy speaks in riddles to Alicia, tells her folksy stories about music, and talks about his dead wife, not to, to inform his character, but to inspire and guide Alicia on her journey. This person is not a character. He's just somebody there to give Alicia the motivation she needs to move on, move the story along. Right. I mean, it's not a new trope. It's been, trope's been around for a while, but it's awkward and uncomfortable. And it's been, not- people have been calling it out. Morgan kind of started off on the, in that role on the flagship show. No, I think Morgan started out as more of the uh, more of the on the receiving end of it, and the magical Negro was that white dude from the Drew Carey show, and also Fargo, because he was like, "I'll teach you how to fight with a stick and be all zen," and that was him from then on out. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no question. Um, okay, so but if you want some other references, uh, Driving Miss Daisy is an example. Morgan Freeman, The Help. Um, yeah, almost every role um, Morgan Freeman's ever played. Morgan, Fre- Morgan Freeman, yeah, he's he's done it a lot. Um, you can uh, you can find it. You and 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 it's interesting because it's not just there. The, you can cross over into white people playing the parts too. You remember the movie Finding Forrester with Sean Connery, mm. where they basically flip it where it's a young black writer who encounters an older white writer and Sean Connery essentially fulfills that role in reverse. I mean, it's, it's, it's lazy writing really. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, 
but it becomes uncomfortable on a show like the it's set in the Walking Dead universe, which has a terrible track record of keeping black characters alive. Right. There's a terrible track record of having black characters who exist to be more than an impetus for somebody else's story. Right. And less so on Fear the Walking Dead because Morgan is one of the main characters. But we used to see it on the regular The Walking Dead all the time. Mm -hmm. It was three black characters on the show. Oh, no, a fourth black character has been introduced. Well, somebody's going to die. die. Right. <laughs> and and this, was, this was a thing that happened again and again and again. So it's just... I mean, again, we're not talking bad performances making, you know, this a bad role to play. It's you're basically setting up a character that doesn't have any, any chance to survive. The, well, in fact, the first time I saw him, I was like, hi, buddy, you're about to die. Like, there's yeah. no way, there's no way this guy was going to make it to the end of the episode. And especially when he started with all of the cryptic advice, you know, follow your heart, listen to what Beethoven did. You know, I was like, oh, shit. There he goes. Oh, and then, you know, as soon as we get into the voice you're listening to is, is you, you're the, it's like, okay, right. And he was doomed. He was doomed. And spoiler alert, he doesn't survive to the end of the episode. Right. He decides he decides to help Alicia. They they're attacked at the at the uh, at the music hall and and he helps Alicia escape from Ponytail. Uh, But and then he tells her, like, I'm going to help you get rid of this guy and then I'm going with you. And like, again, if you didn't know already, the minute he said that, it's like, well, obviously, obviously you're going to die now. On the other hand, since they've there's a, there's a tiny possibility that he would go with her, tiny possibility, because in fact, since we've killed off most of the cast of the show off camera in between the last episode and this episode, they brought in all these extra people, right? Now they're all dead. Mm -hmm. There is technically room for another human being, but because he is an older black man who speaks in platitudes, <laughs> he is of course doomed. Yes, he has to um, sacrifice himself at the end of the episode so Alicia can escape. That is not how I would have approached the problem. I would have let that annoying woman die and uh, gone on about my fun little def jams in my house. Black character who exists only to make sure the white character survives. Guys. Guys. And she doesn't even, like... She doesn't say a fucking word about this dude. Like when she gets back to Morgan, there's a little girl. There's a little girl. Maybe she's real. Maybe she's not. Doesn't matter. Uh, there's a little girl in the episode. And the first thing that Alicia asks is, where's the little girl? And Morgan's like, what? And, and then uh, and then she doesn't say, oh, well, I was helped by this guy. She didn't even mention the guy. I think she doesn't mention that guy because they hadn't written that guy yet. They shot that before they had even written that whole scene, which they just pulled out of their asses. Um, I don't know, on a whim? It's kind of what they do. You don't need to worry about that. That is the way they approach the show on a fairly consistent basis. No need for us to concern ourselves with any of it. Just sit back 
and let it happen, like you're in Texas. Mm, it's just really, it's really, really uncomfortable. Well, let's finish this up, because it's late, and i got to go to bed, right. because I have a job that I hate that I've got to go to. I agree, Dustin. Let's kick this one. Let's just put it right to bed. So they they trick Ponytail to come back to the house by telling Ponytail to come back to the house. And it's a, when very, they, it's a very complicated plan. Yes. And when he gets there, uh, they play music real loud, which makes him go, oh, no, my ears that work. And... Uh, and and so that also tr- tr- brings walkers and like a lot of ponytails guys get killed and so the walkers are also very very close like the music starts playing and the walkers appear so the walkers were like you know five six ten feet away right <laughs> I mean, there's like no delay in the music- walkers were literally standing off stage waiting I think the walkers will sometimes just kind of pop out of warp and just surprise everybody. Ta-da! They were waiting for their cue, and the music swells up, and there you go. They did. And then Curtis says... Curtis says what he always says. Fuck this fucking show. (laughs) Oh, Curtis. You know, now that I said something about warp drives, I'm kind of thinking this show would be much better if it were in space. Like, you know, star zombie trek things. <laughs> oh, Curtis, you're so clever and droll. So, of course, Ponytail gets to drop on our deaf friend, and he is uh, shot in in the side meats, uh, which are either either super deadly or just totally fine, depending on uh on the writer and the day and whether or not you wish this character to survive and, and be in another, another episode yes but if you're if they're only here to die for alicia then it's a fatal boot mm-hmm. so he says no alicia you've got to go so that you can survive and and lead the people and I will stay here and play the bagpipes until the ponytail kills me. You know, incidentally, I do not understand how everyone thinks that Alicia is this great leader. I don't think she ever earned that, did she? We'll have to discuss this at another time. Yeah. And playing the bagpipes has great meaning because his his wife, who was Scottish, um, et cetera, et cetera, heartwarming story about love and death and and meant to teach Alicia a lesson. It's the Mm -hmm. only reason he tells the story. I guess he forgot to mention that she was a dirty whore. Yeah. There's pain. There's pain in this world. We all bear the shut up. Okay. Oh, he's dead. Never mind. Right. So Alicia runs out into the wilderness and she uh, is in that fugue state that she goes into because Somebody decided it would be fun to give her the zombie virus, but not have it kill her. Again, in case we all forgot, fuck this fucking show. Mm-hmm. And she falls to the ground, and then there's this little girl there, and she's like, Alicia, I'll help you, and then you can help me. And uh, then Alicia has her dream again, 
uh, and in this dream, instead of the backup dancers, it is now uh, our cast, the cast of the Fear of the Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. And so now Alicia's like, I'm the one. I'm Neo now. And the Wachowski sisters just spun in their graves preemptively. Well, you know, the show needed a messiah figure, right? Right? That's what the show needed, right? No, the show needs a person on staff that can vet out good writers, people who are talented with story construction and can maintain a fucking arc. How hard is it? Absolutely. You want to be uh, the messiah? Great. I, I thought it was going to be Nick, but apparently he got uh, shot by a teenager. It's the way he would have wanted to go. Um, mm. It's... Ah, uh, yeah. So then she sets off on her own quest. Her own quest, which, by the way, is an incredibly dumb one. Morgan Morgan says, let me come with you. And she goes, no, no, you stay here. I must go on my spirit quest to rally the people, to bring them together, to, I don't know, retread well, the I thing mean- we did two seasons ago where we go get a microphone and we call out into the wilderness and we say... Come join me. And didn't we just do that? Fortunately, she's kind of right because her whole thing is there are these people out there who are looking for Padre. She's not the only one who was looking. And so uh, if she can rally those people, if they can rally the people who are looking for Padre, they'll have a better chance of storming the castle. Do you want to know what I hope happens? My deepest, most uh, persistent hope. What is your hope, Curtis? What? That Jesus or Vishnu or somebody with an ounce of mercy in their in their being will will end this fucking quest for Padre. It's probably just like a I don't know, like a water park or something. I hope they find it. I'd love a water park. <laughs> There's no fucking Padre. We all know it. Let's just move on. Or maybe there is, but it's all just like really old white people. Like it's 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 Lago Vista. <laughs> oh my. So she goes I... off on her quest. Her quest to rally the people. Her pitch is going to be come help me assault an office tower. Right. And everyone's going to say, this sounds like a good plan. Of course they're going to think it's a great plan because they're following her for no fucking reason. They'll just, it's plot stuff. No biggie. Right. Nowhere else in Texas, in all of Texas, for the people to live. You don't know, Tim. Okay, I'll tell you what I will do know, though. Here's the thing I know. Okay, so earlier in the episode... our 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 host, our deaf host, is taking care of Alicia. He's he gives her some food. He gives her haggis. Oh right. So you it's so canned haggis. Um, and this is this is okay. I, my family's Scottish. Um, I have had canned haggis before. I have never had the real, full blown, com, uh, uh, completely authentic Scottish haggis. Because I chickened out when I was in Scotland, I I admit it. But I did not chicken out in Scotland, and I had a lot of haggis, and it was delicious, and I bet you would have loved it too, probably. (laughs) Kinda. 
Um, so here's the thing about here's the thing about American haggis. Okay, you cannot import haggis. It's illegal because how it's prepared in in Scotland versus how it's prepared in the U.S. There are laws uh, on sheep's. You can't make food out of stomach. As a person who, as a young man, um, gained a lot of experience in life by um, actually working in that industry, I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you what you just said, but please continue. It's fine. And sheep's stomach is part of authentic Scottish haggis. So however you feel about that, the, the haggis you're getting in the U.S. is made in the U.S. And it comes often in a can. You can get it where it's not a can, okay? But the people who buy haggis are, by and large, people like me who have family who are scottish and that's part of the you know the whole family heritage thing you can fact check me here if you want to but i believe that uh haggis is is prepared inside a, sh a sheep's bladder not a stomach and that's a whole different animal um but uh man i'll tell you what the, you know you gotta have it with a with a traditional scottish breakfast which is pretty epic Oh, yes, you do. In Scotland, when you have uh, bacon and eggs, they bring out like a small pig that has been cut into strips. And that's the bacon you get. I mean, these, these big, thick chunks of ham and they call it bacon. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so here's the thing. They're in Texas, right? And he says, it's amazing how much haggis you can find because people leave it on the shelves. Okay, couple of things. <laughs> There is not a grocery store, there's not a grocery store chain anywhere that carries haggis as a regular stock item. It's not a thing that happens in the U.S. Second, you find that it, if you're going to get haggis, you can find it in a couple of places. You can find it in um, Scottish or Celtic specialty shops, right? There's a, there, there's a couple here in Kansas City. Um, I looked online while the episode was going on. To see how many of those exist in the great state of Texas, eight. There aren't that. There aren't that many. And you know what they don't carry? Food. You buy all that other Scottish bullshit there, though. Well, yeah, it's a, and you know kilts, and you can you can buy some bagpipes and tea and stuff like that. But here's the thing: you can order it from Amazon, right? So, <laughs> um. Unless He's been raiding an Amazon distribution warehouse. <laughs> as far as I can tell, though, Amazon doesn't have their own, like, you know, their Amazon's got their own brand stuff, really. It's like, you know, you can get it tomorrow because you because it's in stock at Amazon. Haggis isn't like that. <laughs> There's no, like, Amazon haggis stockpile. <laughs> I, they just they just needed it. They just wanted to give him some another quirk. He's a music-loving, oh, yeah. deaf black guy who married a Scottish lady and now loves haggis. There's a lot going on. Way. They're trying to trick us. They're, yeah, they're trying to make us think he's an actual human being as opposed to a walking metaphor. Well, it's a really good example of the kind of lazy writing that they do. You know, they've got like a they got like a guy whose wife was Scottish and how do they emphasize that? Oh, Haggis is Scottish. Well, fuck that. Do something interesting for fuck's sake. Well, okay, the the fact that they've got as far as Haggis. Haggis is like is is like a a mystery exotic food to most people anyway, let alone 
It's the one thing we could say that they would know is where people would know it's actually Scottish. Because if they said bagpipes, well, Ireland's got that. You know, it's very confusing for the fucking plebes that they apparently write for. Right. But it's not like they didn't include bagpipes. They just wanted to make sure that you're firmly set in Scotland with the haggis before they deal with the bagpipe issue. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 all shorthand. It's it's an episode full of shorthand. You know, it's, so it's, it's short. It's storytelling shorthand things. It's so my yeah. favorite thing happens at the very end of the episode. So Ponytail and his buddy, his only one that escaped, are escaping. Right. Mm-hmm. And Ponytail looks like he's been bitten. And he's like, we've got to stop and treat my wound. And so they pull over to the side of the the road. And they're at, I guess, the crater from the nuclear bomb. And inside the crater are thousands of walkers that have uh, fallen in there. And are now just in this hole. And they're like, gee, I hope these walkers don't get out. Because that would be real dangerous for all us human living people who were around. And I was just like, yeah, Ponytail. You're just smart. You're smarter than smart, Ponytail. <laughs> we have a whole thing about, oh no, I hope these, I hope these guys don't get out somehow. I hope this plot point doesn't. I hope this this Chekhov's gun doesn't shoot in Act Three. Well, and of course, it's it's such a terrible shame that we've never seen this kind of big mass of walkers being in one place before that could potentially be used against our here. Oh wait, wait, wait! Hang on, we did over on the regular The Walking Dead. I don't know. Are, are they? Are we trying to play our greatest hits here? Is that what this is? Is is this? And we're doing really bad at it. Yeah. Well, at least our actors are giving it their best. They're doing the best they can with with really not much of anything worth working with right now. Yeah. It's it's unfortunate. This is. I mean, this is the big comeback to the second half of the season, and it's like, okay, exactly. All right. Well, that's enough scandalousness. I, I just ah. This is a really disappointing episode. And this this show has had its share, but this was particularly uninspired. I don't... I don't know. I also liked when Ponytail shot that dude while he was playing the bagpipes. Oh, that was cute. Only wow. because the urge to shoot bagpipers um, is strong, even with us Scots. So <laughs> even the Scottish feel that way sometimes. All right, folks. Well, we hope that you have, I guess, enjoyed listening to us and not particularly enjoyed this episode. How's that? That's a weird rabbit hole to go down. But we hope that you have, in fact, checked out the Outbreak Challenge. We have actually completed our first race. uh, And we had a lot of fun, I think. I think we enjoyed having fighting zombies and competing against each other as well as as a team against the clock. Um, and and I, I I just got an email notifying me that the next race I have the option to run as a zombie and try and catch now. bastards. There you go. So there's a lot of fun you can have with with the outbreak challenge, 
app. And we encourage you to check that out at outbreakchallenge.com. You can save 15, 15, gotta be careful. Sounds a lot like 50 if I'm not careful. 15% off your um, first race by using the code zombie run. And uh, we're happy to let you guys do that, save a little money and get do something to get back in shape or to help stay in shape wherever you are in your fitness journey. This was a fun thing to do. I had a good time with it. And I think you guys did as well. I did. I think I think it all broke down. I think Curtis got the most steps, Dustin, then Dustin, and then me. In my defense, minor defense, so it's going to be I had those in the middle of all of this, my computer crashed, and I had to spend a lot of time sitting at my desk, more even more so than, uh, than ever. But I did get out and do more walking than I normally did. So at least there was that on my end. So... Um, but yeah, it was fun. So we hope you guys will check that out. And of course, since they're sponsoring our show, you know, it'd be great if you do that. So on also, if you would find us, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can follow us there. You can find us. Obviously, you're listening to us somewhere, but we're on pretty much every plat- uh, podcast platform at this point. So if you this, this is the first time here in the show, then uh, you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. So we appreciate you guys doing that. All right. Well, Dustin, thank you. Thank you, Tim. And Curtis, if you're out there, thank you. Thank you, Tim. And yeah, I'm right here, dude. And again, folks, uh, as always, thank you so much for listening. We will see you on our next episode of Zompocalypse Now. Zompocalypse Now is produced and recorded by Timothy Harvey, Dustin Adair, and Curtis Smith for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved. <laughs>